This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. Um, it's great to have you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. I am honored to be joined by um, someone who played for the Knicks, not only for any Knicks team, but he was actually a member of the most successful Knicks team this century. And he actually started a number of games for that team. I'm really, really excited to have him on for a few minutes. Um, I'll introduce you to the show, Ronnie Brewery. Ronnie, how are you, man? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm um, I'm doing great. Um, first things first, everything okay? It, it, I know so much going on right now. Are you safe and uh, you know healthy with with all that's happening? Yeah, I'm safe and, and, and you know, keeping my social distancing um, uh, in, in the best way I possibly can. Uh, it's kind of crazy uh, down south um, with, with everything that's going on. Uh, in Arkansas, we have a lot of uh, rapid cases that are, are being confirmed with COVID-19 and, and um, you know, with George Floyd's passing, um, there's been a lot of protesting down here. So just trying to stay safe and, and um, just do my best to, to advocate and, and um, you know, do the best I can uh, to be a figure in the community. So... I was actually going to save that for later, but you brought it up. So let's, let's get right to it. You are, you know, something of an activist. You started the Ronnie Brewer foundation Mm -hmm. when you were actually Mm -hmm. very early in your career, um, which I Mm -hmm. feel like a lot of players don't do. You got right to it. Um, You made it a point to support communities in at-risk situations. You've opened, Mm -hmm. you know, you've opened a gym, you've donated a lot of money to important causes. Um, you're also a member of the media. You have a radio show. You have a journalism degree. With all those uh-huh. different hats that you wear, what has it been like for you over the last um, two and a half weeks with everything going on? It's been kind of crazy. Uh, I mean, first, I also own a hair store, hair cutting down in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I also have a trucking company, Brooklyn Crew Transportation. Uh, so with COVID nineteen hitting, you know, it's been kind of difficult to maneuver those companies. Uh, make those deals be successful. Um, so, you know, shout out to all my employees, my mom, and my sister, run the hair store. Um, but on, on the other side, uh, with, with, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter movement with the, the killing of George Floyd and, um, you know, the protesting down here in the South, I mean, it's, it's a lot of race down here more than anywhere in, in America. Uh, so it's a bit a, a lot heavier and a lot more uh, active down here. Uh, and for me, you know, just trying to be a voice for people here, uh, see a positive person, um, 
and, and, and just educate a lot of people. A lot of people, you know, think that, oh, it's black and white and, and, and it's us versus them or uh, it's us against the police. It, it, it's just to educate people to show them, you know, people say black lives matter and people come back and say all lives matter. I, I, I saw the analogy when people say, hey, when the house is burning down in, in, a, in, a, in a neighborhood, the fire department didn't come in and spray all the houses. Yes, all the houses do matter. People put their hard-earned money into buying those houses and living in nice community. But when the fire department comes in, they spray the house that's on fire that's burning. That's what's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement right now. Black people are being oppressed. Uh, it's a lot of, uh, you know, violence and killing um, in the black community, but also with um, police officers killing unarmed African Americans. So to bring light to that, you know, you just got to educate and, and, and kill people because a lot of people don't really understand it. A lot of people don't get it. And you have to have that, that, that conversation. You got to educate. You got to have sometimes that uneasy um, interaction with people to just let them know like, what you're feeling with that uneasiness. That's kind of what happens every day African American. Um, when the police officer gets behind you when driving, when, uh, when, um, you see take on the news on social media, um, it's it's real and, and it, it it might not affect you, it might not affect your community. So if you're allowed to go on in one place, um, you can go on anywhere. And, and so that's why you have to be an activist in community and make sure at home, you take care at home and then you work your way out. And you know, a lot of people listening may not realize this, but you were actually honored um you know a few years back um by you know a group of teachers um and mm-hmm. education has been i think a big part of of your life I, i've read somewhere that it is part of the reason why you got into coaching i know you also do a little teaching mm-hmm. um do you think the answer to part of to, to some of these problems can be found you know within schools i mean i i i'm also a teacher um, is, is it a combination of that and the activism? Like where, where do you see the answer coming from ultimately? I think it comes from a lot of places. It comes from your politicians to pass legislation. Um, it, it comes from, um, your teachers teach it, um, in some format in the schools. It comes from church, from community leaders, uh, at, at boys and girls clubs. If, if, if you're if you're in one facet of your life, you're not trying to bring education and educate people on on certain matters, we're going to continue to be in the same place that we've been in a long time. You know, people, you, you're 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 asked to go to school in preschool, kindergarten, twelfth grade, and then educate you on certain matters so it could prepare you in life. You've got to add some curriculum on these matters to educate everybody so everybody understands racism. Everybody understands equality. Everybody understands what injustice is. So if you're not teaching that and educating people, then people are going to continue to be uneducated. Uh, I think that's that's really well put. And, you know, you've, you spoke a little bit about just the act of speaking up and, um, sure. you know, which gets us to... Um, the Knicks team you played for and recently 
James Dolan has come under some fire um, because uh-huh. he, you know, took a while to speak up and on behalf of the Knicks. I shouldn't say just him, but, you know, he's the owner of the team. It's his choice whether to issue a uh-huh. statement, and it took a while. Now, you know, at the same time, one of your teammates, um, you know, Tyson Chandler, for instance, has talked about James Dolan has allowed him and his family to use, you know, his plane when his mom was sick. And obviously we know uh, James Dolan's history of, of hiring black executives, but yet we're also hearing that there's a lot of players in the league that are not all too happy with how he has gone about this. And these players are upset. And some of those players may be in the Nick locker room. You know, you're, you're a black player. You were a black player in the league for a long time. How, how do you take this as even as someone who knows James Dolan? Well, it's hard to judge somebody's character and say, oh, James Dolan, because he didn't put out a statement. He racist. Um, but I, I do think that as who the NBA employs majority Americans, I think it's your right and your duty to speak up for your employees. A lot of people working at this regard for African Americans or other ethnicities. Like it's your it's your duty here, and, and you owe it to them to speak up and have their back. And you know he has employed African American coaches. He has employed African Americans in the front office, which is a rarity uh, in professional league. So I think that's just that. But I think that him as well as a lot of other NBA organizations. Other organizations across the board, Major League Baseball, NFL, those owners who employ a lot of African Americans, you got to be your team, your organization, who makes you a lot of money that you generate year after year. So uh, I'm not saying that he's racist or something like that, but I think that he could have um, put together a better statement. He runs it across the board to make massive regard that he employed. With the statement that he did put out and with the time that it took him to to put it out there, if you were still playing for the team, would you would you want to hear from him like face to face in person before you felt comfortable going forward and, and you know playing another game for the for the team? Well, first off, I would I would want to you know, contact the GM and see, hey, is there any way that we can have some uh, uh, a positive form or, or, or roundtable or, or talk just so we're all on the same page? Because I'm not going to jump to conclusion and be and be living and be like, hey, this guy's a racist person. But I would rather talk with him and, and explain to him why I feel so satisfied way in college, and that you know, not only myself, but a lot of other people feel a certain way because you know, silence is giving much to me as crime as not doing anything at all, or 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 being on the opposite side. So, like to me, him thinking that hey. You know, I'm not going to speak on this matter. And, uh, you know, you know, I don't think that's the, the correct way to, to do it. I think that 
with, with a lot of things. Uh, take time, think it through. And I think people are so mad at it. You get that time. You did take through. I think it through. And that's the, and that's the thing that he, that he came up with. And now I think that's what brought so much anger and backlash to him. So, um, I, I, and I also think that you can't write from a dog too soon because then he comes back and he has a statement and he understands because I'm explaining to him. Then I think to me, like that makes all right. I, I think a lot of people come down two breezes because he throw and uh, got on his back because uh, of his, his um, opinion about how he's not going to disrespect the flag. Well, I think that a lot of his teammates reached out to him and he had serious talks and serious conversations with teammates about why that statement was not okay. And I think he doubled back and he came back and made a statement like, hey, you know, I wouldn't turn disrespect to anybody. And now I know why my, my comments were taken as disrespectful. And, you know, Jordan does that. I mean, I think that people would, would accept it. And, you know, in the back of your head, you're like, okay, he did come out with that statement at first. But he comes back with another statement, like basically fixing the first statement. I think it's okay. And I think players will be willing to go back. But if he doesn't come back with the statement, he kind of upset about the comments and, 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 and no disrespect, but like, Nick needs. Some help right now. They need to be unified. They need a, a, a solid coach. They need solid players. They need to, to get the fans back behind them. They need Madison Square Garden to be Madison Square Garden of the past. And right now, it's a great time to get on the right track. I couldn't agree more. And Speaking of coaching, it's a perfect transition. Um, it seems like the leader in the clubhouse for their open, well, I shouldn't say open coaching position because, you know, Mike Miller is, is still there. Um, but it's Tom Thibodeau. Um, you played for Tom, uh, in Chicago and you actually, I, you signed a, a contract at the end of the year, a few years later, um, in April. So you were, you actually had two stints with him. Um, what can you tell us about what it's like to play for Tom Thibodeau? Man, it's, it's, it's great. I, I think Coach Tibbs gets the short end of the stick because there's been some comments that come out and say that, you know, he's too hard on players and he pushes on players too hard. And that's what you want from a head coach. That's what you want from your team and your organization. You want somebody who's going to get down and grit and grind and, 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 and fight for everything that you get. And that's what Coach, that's what coach this is all about. He's going to break you to defend and he, he, he wants to get up and down the court. And you know, to me, a lot of people are waiting there. I still think he's when forces yes, our great offense, um, you know, keeps you in the game. But if you can't stop your opponent from scoring, then it's going to be back and forth and, and you know, uh, you know, it's going to be up in the air. But, you know, he's, he's one of the better defensive coaches. He's very good personnel. He's a player's coach. Um, but, he's, but, he's, but he's tough. And, and, and if you're tough money and you're tough love, you're going to be able to thrive in the system because, you know, he, he's going to trust you and, and he's going to allow you to reach your maximum, maximum potential. Um, one of the knocks that we hear on Tibbs is that he's not good, you know, with development, right? Or he doesn't, um, you know, but 
again, you were in Chicago when I believe, mm-hmm. you know, for Jimmy Butler's rookie year, you were there when, mm-hmm. you know, Derek Rose was a young, fairly young player. Um, Taj Gibson mm-hmm. was young on that team. Even, I mean, you were even still relatively young, um, as a player. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you buy that knock that he's not good for the development of a young team? Um, I don't really buy that. I just see why people might say that because, you know, as a young player, as a rookie, um, he might trust or have more faith or trust and confidence in an older veteran. That's not that's, that's part of the game. That's the NBA. You're going to see that across the board in every occupation. You're going to, you want to go with a, a, a veteran person who knows the the ropes uh, and the way of the world. Um, I still think the way that we practice, we practice, it it it, it like it makes it impossible for you not to. Do. You come to work every day, you bring your lunch pail because he's going to push you hard every day. But you know, whatever, and he's much time in the gym, and he's going to push his assistant coaches, uh, who are the positional players, to push. The individual people that are assigned to. So I'm not fine that he's not with developing. I was in Chicago. Coach Adrian, Adrian Griffin was on position coach. He had me, Lawson, and Jimmy Butler. And then we got Rip Hamilton. And he went us to death. And we, it, it benefited us because we were war ready against every team. Um, he came up short against the Heat, but I mean, everybody came up short against the Heat with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch. But everybody else, you know, we were ready for them uh, as soon as they stepped on the court. Um, another team that you were a part of, obviously, besides those bowl teams, was the the 2012-13 New York Knicks. Speaking of bringing your lunch pail every day, that team brought its lunch pail. Um, you were with them for the first half of the season and you played for Mike Woodson, another coach whose name has come up. I, I feel like sometimes Mike gets the short end of the stick when we talk about Knicks coaches because, I mean, let's face it, mm-hmm. he has a better winning percentage than any coach, coach that has coached the Knicks since Jeff Van Gundy. Um, do you, what was your like, what was your experience like playing for, for Woodson on that 12-13 team? Man, uh, playing for Coach Woody was, was great. You know, he had a sister called Daryl Walker. Uh, had a, a close relationship with him. You know, he's in Chicago, played in Arkansas, played in the league. Um, now he's a coach at Euler. Um, but love playing with Coach Woody, man. He, he's all great players. Coach. And we, we had a great nucleus, a great group of guys. We had some great veterans in Jay Kidd and Marcus Camby and Rashid. You know, uh, Curtis Thomas, then you had kind of like the, the young guys, like myself, Jared Smith, my son, Raymond Mello, uh, Mario Stoudemire, uh, James Flight White, Chris Copeland. Um, we were very diverse in, from all backgrounds and a lot of different experiences. Um, but he, he found a way for us to sail together, play together, and find a way to win. And, you know, he, I also think he, he gets the short end of the state because he did a phenomenal job in New York. I think the media um, rubbed them a little bit uh, because, uh, you know, we didn't win as much as they, they might have wanted us to. 
Uh, well, you, you listen, that team did an awful lot more winning than, than a lot of other teams before and <laughs> since. Um, a, a, yeah. Just a couple more before I get you out of here. One of the guys you just mentioned was Carmelo Anthony. Um, I think yeah. there's a lot of speculation, even though, you know, Portland still has some work to do um, this season if, if we get back to it. Um, you know, that he's going to be back maybe in the garden for a retirement tour next year. Um, what yeah. would you what would you think of that? And, and what was your experience like playing with Anthony? Man, Melo is phenomenal. Man. He, you know, I've never really played with a guy that don't matter what the situation, he always took the burden of the blame. Melo would come out and have, you know, 30 or 40 points, and we would lose, not because of his performance. Maybe we didn't play good or, or collectively as a group. And he would take the blame because he would say that he needed to do more. And it it, 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 burned, it burned me with so many people were saying it was his fault and, and, and Houston and when he wasn't getting time by a team like he couldn't play basketball. Dude is still phenomenal. Still got a lot of left in his tank. And I think it would be great if he had another opportunity to play in New York and the Garden. And whatever he does uh, decide to retire, I, I think that he needs to be a Nick with all he's doing it. Um, I I would not mind him seeing back. I think a lot of Nick fans would agree with you, you and me. Um, last one before I let you go. You are back in Fayetteville, as you said. You're on the coaching staff um, for a high school team. And, you know, this seems to be, again, from what I could tell, something you maybe want to get into. What, Where does the future lie for Ronnie Brewer? I mean, are we going to see you as the head man on a on a college sideline someday? Like, what, what, what are your aspirations here? Man, uh, I don't believe it, man. I, I, I love the, the, the youth. Um, I love being a mentor. I love being a good role model. I love giving the models I have to these younger kids, uh, uh, allowing them to, to, that it's more than just going to basketball. You have to defend at a high level. Um, so, you know, I'm loving it. Favorite life is my alma mater. I played there. Uh, I coach alongside my former coach of mine and uh, 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 one of my best friends in Bradford. Uh, and I, you know, if I'm not obviously open this, you know, I'm open for it. It's a high school, college, NBA uh, side. But, you know, right now, I'm happy to Well, um, I, I second that. I would love to see you as a head man on the sideline, maybe someday in the NBA. Um, I know. You know, I know Fisdale got a bunch of former players in the building to help out with the Knicks. Maybe uh, whoever the next head coach is, maybe if it's your former coach, uh, you know, Tibbs, maybe he get you back up to New York to do some extra work. I don't know. Uh, it'd be good to see you there, though. Um, in, in any case, I can't thank you enough for taking a few minutes. And uh, really, this was a pleasure and it was great talking to you, man. Uh, thank, hey, thank you for reaching out, man. It was, it was, I appreciate that so much. Absolutely. Anytime. Hopefully this isn't the last time we'll chat. And uh, again, all the best. Stay safe and, and the whole thing. All right. Thank you. You too. All right. Be well. Okay. We have our second guest of the episode here uh, with us now. He is, well, he's actually more famous than any, any current or former Nick. Um, and he certainly means more to the franchise and, um, is, I mean, easily as talented as anyone who has ever put on the blue and orange. Uh, I'm trying to think of forgetting anything. Um, funny. Am I forgetting anything? Uh, I 
also am the head coach of uh, the Georgetown Hoyas. Yes, I, uh, you are. Oh, I'm, I am uh, overcoming COVID-19 as we speak. Yes, my second. stronger every day. My, my second guest today is indeed Patrick Ewing. Um, Good to be here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's great to have you, Patrick. Um, David Futternick. Uh, what up? What up? Yeah, there, there you go. Um, so Skype tells me it's been three months since we spoke. Is that could that be true? Uh that's probably true because I feel like when we when we last spoke, like it was kind of the beginning of the pandemic. I think so. Ish. Yeah. No, you're right, and. Um, it's still a pandemic. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, right. It is. <laughs> it's. I had no clue. All the restaurants are open, and well, nobody's actually, wearing masks anymore. You know, I, honestly, like it's 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 hard to tell uh, in a lot of places. Um, let's start there because I'm I'm just be you know not that there's anything in the news to pay attention to, but you, so yeah. you'll you'll forgive me if I am not completely up to date on how things are in um, LA, but what, what is your situation over there? Uh, restaurants are open with like outdoor seating and like uh, minimal indoor seating, uh, like restaurants, bars, you can go get your hair cut now. You can go to the nail salon. Like a lot of, a lot of things are like, you know, semi back to normal. Like my buddy got a haircut yesterday. They took his temperature. The barber has a mask on or whatever. But like, you know, it does feel like we're jumping right into going back to semi-normal uh, normalcy, which uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. You know, it's only people's lives at stake, so who cares? No, it's, it's, it's not. Uh, <laughs> but, it's, you know, we've got to go back to Buffalo Wild Wings ASAP. So, you know. Listen, Buffalo <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings makes the world go round. Um, Olive Garden, Applebee's, these are. Whoa, whoa, Macri, are are you not are you not an Italian American? Um, I am, I am allegedly one. Although I, I, I mean, listen, if I'm, if we're being honest Olive here, Garden. come on now, come it, on, it's disrespectful, disrespectful. It, <laughs> I mean, free breadsticks, man. What do you, you know? Fair enough. Fair enough. Nothing, what's not to like? Um, but yeah, like, uh, so, L- so LA is kind of like in that uh, similar boat to a lot of places where businesses are just kind of like snap of the fingers all of a sudden. It's like, oh yeah, restaurants are open now. Um, so. Yeah, well, we're going to have to see how this goes. Um, I think we're, yeah. I think in Long Island, we're essentially, I think yesterday, I think it was yesterday, we got to the same place that you are. And I, I say that only because my, my wife has informed me that it, I am now allowed, I can now go get a haircut. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, th- nice. I think I'm supposed nice. to call ahead and, um, I don't know how that's going to work. I have not, I have not cut my hair since this all started. So I, I'm kind of, you know, I'm jonesing a little bit. I mean, I hear you. My, my problem is, uh, I, I have like legitimately like long hair now and I think it looks like absolute trash. And my wife really likes it. Oh, so well, you know what they say. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, happy wife, then can go do whatever you want if she's happy. That's how. <laughs> that's the same. That's the same. Drink all the beers. Uh, she. Um. Uh, but yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, pandemic's still going. 
Fed, sort of. Pandemic's still going. Some other stuff is happening. Um, you know, can't keep their name out of the news is per usual. I mean, it's like, it's amazing that we can have like uh, one of the most turbulent moments in our country's history. And the Knicks still find a way. They just find a way. Yeah. And I, you know, I got, so before I, when I told you I had 30 seconds, I needed 30 seconds before I was going to log on. I was staring at, um, Steph, uh, Steph Bondi's tweet of his article in which right. I, I think he, I think he just basically, uh, aggregated, uh, Spike's appearance on first take. Um, right, right, right. but the title was Spike Lee says Nick's owner, James Dolan sounds like Donald Trump. And, um, I don't know if you saw my, my newsletter today. Um, but I made a, uh, a similar comparison. Um, and, uh, sure enough, some people Accurate. were. Well, listen, I, in my opinion, look, there's a, there's a whole, I, I would say viral within the Knicks Twitterverse and Nets Twitterverse. There's a whole account dedicated to that joke. So, yeah, I uh, mean, it's, it's not so ludicrous. Not it, so ludicrous. It, it's not. And I was sitting, I was standing there. I'm like, should I really, should I push the envelope here? I'm like, no, I've already pissed off enough people today. So I, <laughs> I just did a simple, um, you know, retweet, no, no quote, but yeah, yeah, man. I mean, God, it's, it, it's all coming. It, it all ties together. Um, and I don't know, I don't know how you're supposed to think about like one thing and not have your mind drift towards everything else that's going on. And like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm, yeah. maybe I'm stretching it too much, but it just, it's like, you know, and that's why I wrote what I wrote today because it's like, you know, our, we have a president that makes many claims about what he what he has done for um, the the black community in this country. And um, listen, he, statistics are what they are. It's, you know, job figures yep. and whatnot. And but there's also a lot of other stuff. And I just you know, hearing from person after person that like. It's actions, not words. I, I get that. I totally get that. I, I get it a hundred percent. But man, yeah, couldn't just couldn't just take the easy way out here, buddy. You know, for once. But no, it's not. It, it's, hey, black players, come to the Knicks. What have you got to lose? That should be. That's like his slogan. You know. <laughs> oh my! Hey, if we're looking for parallels, you know, I it's. Oh. The difference is, though, I will say, and, you know, I, a lot of people have mentioned this, but, you know, you look at Trump's cabinet and it's, you know, a sea of white people and Ben Carson. Yes. And Dolan has hired an incredibly diverse front office. And like, uh, you know, it, it does have to be mentioned. Oh, yeah. Now, that doesn't dismiss what he did this week, but, um, you know, they're they're. There is some distance to be had between the the two. There is, and I, in addition I, to the parallels, I, I mentioned that in what I wrote today, and said that not only should Dolan be commended for his for his actions, which are legitimate, and and again, it is, you know, it's a, someone that a friend of mine texted me after I wrote it, and he basically was like, "Look, it's frankly absurd that the hiring practices in the NBA." 
are what they are in terms of positions of leadership when you have a league that is basically it's it's whatever it is, 75 percent black, 80 percent black. And that's been throughout its history. And who are the best people that should be running NBA teams? I mean, there's a pretty good argument that it's people who are, have actually been in the NBA, played the NBA and or at the very least have have roles, high ranking roles. And the fact that the NBA is so white at the upper echelon um, is absurd. And Dolan, to his credit, did something to try to correct that. And that you're, you're absolutely right. That goes far and beyond anything that that our, our president has done, which, again, just brings me back to the question. Well, if you did that, you couldn't right. like that's what I like. What That's my question. If I'm a Knicks player, that's my question. Like, dude, I get it. I don't think you're a racist. Like you, you've done good things for for. All kinds of people. You've, you've, he's even improved his practices hiring women since the whole, you know, Brown Saunders thing. Like, that's all there. So right. why couldn't you just say something? Just say it, just say it, something meaningful. What, what is stopping you? And, and, um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's where it's I'm at. It's tough. It's tough. Uh, doesn't make it e- any easier to, support the this franchise <laughs> and, and you know amidst like already horrible horrible time for the team the team is so bad um uh it's just like i, I don't i don't understand like how what could possibly be worse about i guess like <laughs> if they if they didn't play at msg <laughs> yeah that's like the last remaining thing that's like at that that and and our and our broadcast team uh, thank, thank those, you know, thank God for that, for thank those God. things, uh, that, that make it, you know, a fraction, uh, easier to, uh, to watch these games and to support this team. But man, well, I, uh, I, I you know, I think we get, we, the, the Dolan hate like gets, you know, we, I think we're all pretty numb to it at this point, but this, this was, this was particularly different just cause it, it wasn't just somebody being, um, obnoxious or, you know, being mean to Spike Lee or being mean to Charles Oakley. It was like, you know, this, this is, this is like something that, uh, was very easy that he just made so hard. And then it's like, it's like, just don't put anything out. You know, I just don't put anything out. It just, it was so much worse to put that statement out. I, I agree this with many you. Days, this many days afterwards, you know, or, or just have Dolan, <laughs> you know, say a few words about like the hiring practices and that, you know, he, he believes in, um, you know, uh, being an ally to the black community. He believes in diversity, um, at all levels of the franchise and, you know, but he can't do that because he's, he see, this is, this is the biggest parallel with him, him and Trump is that he sees any critique as just like, a, a, a like, a monster, monster jab at, at him as a person. And he just can't help but take every single critiques like overly personal. And then, and then you get like the, you know, this statement, this is the manifestation of him being like the biggest baby. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I'd love to, I mean, this is, I mean, I, I've said this many times, I'd love to see inside of his head, um, where the fuck, where the, I mean, that's, yeah, I know, scary. Um, yeah. or maybe it's like the, the, the Homer Simpson, the, the one 
ape picking the fleas off of the back of the other ape. Um, I'm, I, I think that was a thought bubble in an early episode of The Simpsons. Um, no, but like, you know, I, I, look, I, and if you're listening to this and you are a Republican and you and you support Trump, like, look, this is not I don't want this to come off like an attack on you. Like, I look, every, everybody has some family member or someone that they know that is, is a Republican for who knows what reasons. And I the reason the country is this country was founded on a diversity of opinions. And that doesn't, right. it certainly doesn't make you a bad person. I don't want to, I don't want it to seem like, you know, we're piling on, but it's just, um, no. but like, but, but, but I'll also say, I don't want to interrupt you. Jim, no, no, but please. Like, but, uh, if, if this was, if Trump behaved this way and was a member of any party, I would feel this way, you know, like it really, it really has less to do with the, his political party and just the way that he's handled himself and the way that he um, refuses to bring people together and, and that's, just continues to divide people. That's and, the thing. And, and, and um, man, I, you know, Dolan could do the same thing and he just, he just, he can't help but make every situation about himself. And, you know. and, you know, I saw some, I apologize. I, I um, can't give the credit, but I was scrolling through Twitter quickly and I, I didn't see who this was, but someone, you know, tweeted that, you know, the tweet started out like, um, black lives matter. And then it was like, this is for white people because black, guess what? Black people know black lives matter. <laughs> they, <laughs> right. Right. They get it. Um, yep. it's, it's yep. the rest of us that need, you know, when I say us, I mean, collectively people who are not black that need to be reminded that it is our voice that has to carry. And I have to think if there are indeed as, as, you know, Windhorse, you know, intimated yesterday, um, black players who are either within the Knicks locker room or throughout the league that are upset about this. I have to think that that is something along the lines of, of what they're thinking. It's like, you're the one who's in the position of power. You're the one in charge and your voice carries so much weight. And, and this is, again, this is not to discount the, 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 the actions that he has taken, which are beneficial and, and, massively important towards advancing hiring practice. And this is also, and this is the last thing and we can move on. This also does not, does not discount the fact that the media does at times, a lot of the time unfairly target and exploit the Knicks as opposed to, and Dolan specifically as opposed to other owners who may be doing things as bad or worse. That is real. That is out there. Absolutely. But when you, when you use that, the media thing, to discount the reality of what is happening within the garden and from Dolan and, and, you know, say that the two things cancel each other out. Well, no, two, you know, not to oversimplify it, but two wrongs don't make a right. They are, they are two different wrongs. And the, yep. the, the media conversation is a conversation that we could have, and it's a longer conversation and there's lots of reasons for it, but you know, it's just, it, it, this is why you can't, it's tough to have a conversation with the, about this because it's just, it's the, the spider webs are just never ending. You know what I mean? Um, right. Right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, so Dame Willard thought he was going to be a Nick. How about that? There you go. Yeah. Hey. Okay. A, a kick in, kick in the nuts of a different color. Um, yeah. Definitely believe that. <laughs> which, um, oh, sure. What what is your what is your anytime you hear the latest player who talks about how the garden is their favorite place to play? What what goes through your mind when you read that? 
I mean, uh, I agree that probably is true. And also, it's like it, it, I just know it's like the biggest slap in the face to the franchise because it's like, oh man, I love. I love being there because the Knicks are always bad and the fans are great. And I just get to score 80 points in front of like a great crowd. And it'll always be like one of my most memorable games because the team I was playing was that bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I, it's I, funny. The implication I mean, is like, yeah, I'm going to do well if I go play there. That, that doesn't get said enough. Anyway. We, I, I mean, we know that it's a special place. Um, but it's also frustrating because it's like, well, is, is, is really all that's keeping you from, um, considering going to the Knicks, the fact that James Dolan is the owner, like, I, I don't think so. There's a lot of really fucking shithead owners. Yeah. And you, you, I mean, you're right. Like you don't like you hear about Fertitta, but like, they're like, come on. These are like fucking billionaires. They like most of them are fucking dickheads. Let's be honest. You don't get to a position of power without being um, at least a little bit of a fuckhead. Uh, That's a great, great and, call. And um, if you really love playing there, wouldn't you want to play there like um, like half the season out of the year? Like that'd be cool. <laughs> I don't know. Just just a thought. I, it's a good thought. I, but but I. But I do wonder if like players also feel like they're especially like in a in a um post like Charles Oakley debacle world if players also feel like it's like s- sticking it to Dolan by you know coming to the garden performing at a high level um, you know not to, not to keep leading every conversation to him but no you know, but it's no it's exactly have playoffs to talk about so it's it's interesting <laughs> no but it's interesting because. What, what I was really looking forward to in my own fantasy world was to get to a point where, cause you know, we don't know what Leon Rose is going to be yet as a, as a president of basketball, but right. everybody seems to agree. He's a, a highly competent individual <laughs> and his, uh, his hiring, uh, move that he's made thus far with Perrin and, and Zanin and, um, and, uh, Aller. Um, speak to the fact that he's measured and diligent and all, all the things you want from a president. And I was really looking forward to seeing, like, can we get to three months, six months, a year of being competently run and then see how players from opposing teams respond? Because my theory has always been, yeah, they may not like Dolan. They may think he's a little bit of an idiot. But players didn't want to come here because they didn't trust that the operation could be run soundly because of the people that Dolan had been um, putting in charge and just because of the the, the day-to-day operations within the garden. And I wanted to see that theory tested and see if they all that stuff turned around. But now where Dolan has taken this additional step and and given something really extra, so to speak – for players to kind of latch on to. I don't even know if I'm going to get a chance to, to ask that question because, you know, again, we don't know how much that this is going to matter to players and we don't know how quickly they're going to forget it. Maybe they'll forget it quickly. I don't know, but sure. And also, I mean, um, you have to feel like, I, I mean, like it, 
players are on Twitter just like we are. And, you know, they get caught up in these news stories, too. And um, they may say something that they feel in the moment. And then, you know, as time goes by. True. Per, per, perhaps the feeling changes. Um, perhaps, you know, Leon Rose, you know, given his past life as an agent, um, uh, kind of works works on guys in the league and like uh, is able to sell coming coming to the team a, 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 a better, better than Dolan can. <laughs> um, it's hard. It would be hard not to do that. Um, yeah, pretty low bar, but. No, no. I mean, uh, we'll see. Uh, and now, uh, you know, the next step is the, the the head coaching hire. And I mean, it it does feel like it's probably going going to be Tibbs. Uh, you would know better than me. You know, I I have not heard anything new. Uh, I'll say that. Um, right. I mean, it seems pretty obvious. Like the the whole Rockets like story seems like it's like a clear leverage you know, someone doing him a favor for a little more money, perhaps. Um, uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, wouldn't I Leon mean, know that? I mean, I don't know. I don't know where that's coming from. I think it's a good question. I mean, that's, that story re- reeked of leverage, uh, leverage story. <laughs> I, I mean, probably <laughs> like they, that team is going to be in the playoffs. And I know they had issues in the off season, some issues with, with uh, the contract extension with D'Antoni, but I mean, <laughs> it's a playoff team with, with two superstars and they're about to be in the playoffs and they have played fine. And there's like, to me, like that's, that seems like ridiculous that they, they would replace D'Antoni with a guy like Tibbs. Like, Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Are you, so let let me ask you, are you, are you not excited about the, do you feel the same way about Tom Thibodeau that you feel about Olive Garden? Let me put it to you that way. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I, I, at, at one point I, I liked Tom Thibodeau more than I probably ever liked Olive Garden, but by the um, way, how great would it be if your waitstaff at Olive Garden just came over to you and started yelling at you every time <laughs> you like went, <laughs> put in your fucking order already. <laughs> can, I, Come on! can I, can I get some ice with my, my son? Ice, ice. You're having too many breadsticks. <laughs> oh, I have to keep myself amused. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Uh, look, a lot, I, I mean, I, I will say like, people have made a better case for him. Um, smart people that whose opinions I appreciate have, have made a, like somewhat of a, a case for him. And maybe that's just us talking ourselves into what feels like an inevitable situation. But Ronnie um, said he loved playing for him. Just a while look, ago. a lot of guys did. Um, Ronnie played for him. 10 years ago? <laughs> um, right? That was, yeah, 10 years ago. There I mean, you go. Or, or so. Like, uh, there's there's no denying that the, that the guy was a terrific coach, but I just, I feel like you can't just hire somebody because they were a terrific coach. I think, I think you hire somebody because it's also the right fit. And to me, I just don't see the fit given where the team's at, you know? Well, uh, where you think the team where is at, but maybe where you think the team and where other fans think the team is at is not going to be where Leon Rose thinks the team is at in short order. I is the other part of this, right? I mean, the Tibbs the Tibbs hire to me is a um, a rush to try to make headway faster. 
Um, but to me, like if we were really rebuilding and, you know, it, it's a lot of teams say they're rebuilding and then they're, and then they don't rebuild and, um, they get a little anxious and they do things that are, uh, you know, that, that go against that idea to me, you either hang on to Mike Miller. I think it, look, I was thinking about this today. If, if Mike Miller was younger, if he was like Nick nurse's age, maybe a little bit more hair. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. If he, if he didn't look like Tom Thibodeau's age, uh, I feel like maybe he would have some more people behind him because I think given – granted it was a small sample size, but I thought he did a really nice job with the with the shit hand that he was dealt this uh, this you know second half of the season. He had great success in the G League just like Nick Nurse had. Yeah, true. And uh, – and, you know, you're not going to be shelling out like a shit ton of money to him. And he's, and he's, he's a guy that I feel like, um, the, the young players especially seem to respect. So I think they, it would be an easier hire if he was, if he was younger and just like, just for optics, like if he looked like Kenny Atkinson, <laughs> I feel like people might like be like, Oh no, we should definitely hire Mike Miller. You know, like this is a guy that should rise like with these young guys. The, uh, you know, the problem is that he's he's not a spring chicken. And well, um, I think he'll be back. I think for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. I don't know. And look, you could only go so much by the players, but I don't. I personally never got the sense. And look, the, the very little interaction that I had with the players last year, I never got the sense that they considered him a legitimate long-term candidate for the job and look that's not their job to to do right it's not sure it's not sure. they're not the ones making the hire but i think they i they definitely respected him and i think they respected like how straightforward he was and you know all of that but um i don't know how much do you take for the fact from the fact that like the locker room wasn't like universally behind maybe him sticking around. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know the answer to that question, but I true. agree with you. He's, a, he's yeah, a good coach. Yeah, we're, it's true. We're not in the locker room. Like we, um, you know, we, we don't know what's going on, but um, I don't know. Look, uh, uh, would I rather have Tibbs coaching the team than a lot of the other really horrible coaching decisions <laughs> for the last decade plus? Like, uh, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Would I would I rather he be our coach than Fizz or Derek Fisher? Yes. Uh, yeah. Obviously. Obviously. My concern though is that he I, he just screams like a dinosaur to me, and he hasn't molded his coaching philosophy um, to change with the times. You know, I feel the same way about Jeff Van Gundy. It's like you know, I I I loved Jeff Van Gundy. I don't. I don't think I'd want him to be our head coach either. Uh, at this point, I just feel like you get to a certain point where you have a young core, and it's it's to me it's it would be a better idea to have them grow with a head coach that relates to them a little a little easier. Yeah. Uh, no. But what do I know? But what do I know? No. But listen, I, I you know, I think people 
I can't think of the quotes off the top of my head, but I, f- I know for a fact that I've read over the last few weeks, um, whether they were quotes from the last few weeks or from, you know, whatever over the last like couple of years that, that, you know, Tibbs needs to do better relating to, um, you, you know, younger players, maybe like, not, maybe not even younger players, but like, cause like he had no problem relating to, you know, Jimmy Butler or Taj Gibson when they were rookies. But I think, to your point that you made before, you know, it, it's always changing this league and the players that you get as young players today are very different than the young players you got a decade ago in terms of maybe yeah. their mentality, like what they're willing to do, what they aren't willing to do. Um, well, look at look at the successful coaches right now. Um, a lot of them are, are, are younger and they have like a newer philosophy. You know, your, your Brad Stevens, your Nick nurses, your, your curves, you know, like that's to me, that's the future of the league. Um, uh, in regards well, to coaching, I think it's you need to be a hard ass though, because you know, no, because the, think about it. Who Maybe best, I'm being an agent, but <laughs> no, but who are, who are the best coaches in the league right now? I think for argument's sake, could we say that they are pop Spo, Rick Carlisle, um, Doc Rivers, if you want to throw him in there, and oh. Kerr? Am I for, maybe I'm forgetting some? Uh, Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens. Yeah. So all of those guys, in some respect, maybe with the exception of Kerr, although Kerr, we, as we learned from the Last Dance, definitely has some hard ass to him. All of those yeah. guys are they're like you know disciplinarians. They they command respect. I think maybe. The difference is, whereas 30 or 20 or even 10 years ago, you could be a hard ass without worrying about as much about also needing to put your arm around that player, you know, at the end of the practice. And like, cajole, um, to to use a, an Olive Garden term, cajole him into, uh, you know, being on board. Um, now you need to. Oh, I thought you were going to say, because in the locker room, everyone's family. <laughs> Touche. Um, yeah, I, that's the part that I don't. I don't have a problem with Tibbs being a hard ass because I think you need to be a hard ass because players need to no, respect no. you. But you, but you also need that other component. Yes, I made this joke on um, my NBA podcast a couple years ago when Tibbs was still coaching. But um, I like in Tibbs's voice, I, I said, um, uh, "And analytics are the diet of basketball." <laughs> That's, I, I'm going to need you to work on your Tibbs voice. If you're, if he's, if they're going to hire him, I may <laughs> want to hire him. Yeah, I will. I definitely will. I may want to have you on as, as Tibbs occasionally. Um, I think you could do that. Yeah. I just have to like scream like for like three hours straight before we start recording and then I'll, you know, I'll have it done. Just have to be as hoarse as possible. So there's going to be basketball um, unless I, I guess a segment of players might go on strike. Um, well, well, I don't know. We'll see what's going on with that. That's in the, in the ever developing story of the NBA's return to play um, in a place that is on the cusp of a second wave of this. Uh, <laughs> it's, you, you have to laugh because what other alternative is there? Um, yes. There's going to be basketball. Are you, are you excited? I, Cause I know, you know, some people are just Nick fans. You're a, you're a hoops fan. Are you excited? Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Are you excited to watch basketball again? You know, a lot of a lot of people like uh, keep asking me that, and I, I I I am to an extent, but it's like the furthest thing from my mind at this point. 
Um, it, it's been funny, like people who are, you know, either casual fans or like don't really know anything about the NBA. They just, you know, they saw that the NBA was coming back and they don't realize that it's not every team. So they're like, all these people have been like, you must be excited. Uh, you get to watch the Knicks again uh, in a month. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> no, it's like, it's like, it's like being in like a, like a honor society and like, only 22 kids are going on a trip to Europe and like one of the parents is like, Oh, you must be excited to be going on this trip. And like, and you're like the 20, like fifth, like best grades in yeah. the class. You're like, uh, no, no, I'm just stuck getting a postcard from the other kids. But no, yeah. I'm, ex- I'm excited. I, I, that's a roundabout way of saying like, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. It's I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see sports in general with no crowd. Yeah. So I, I, that's, I don't think nearly enough attention has been paid to just what that's going to feel like. Um, right. And like, you know, I was listening to the, the hoops collective podcast before um, and they were talking about, you know, will, will players, Will the national anthem be played? Will because they're not going to have a singer, right? Because right? right. every person counts, and they, they're trying to minimize this. So, and if it, you know, if it's played, will what will the player? Unless they, know? unless they just have Oladipo do it every game, yeah, that'd be fun. That'd um, be nice. The designated anthem singer. Um, right. You know, will the, will the players? Will they not come out for it? Will they kneel? Were they? What I mean, right? I'll say this: I would be. I would be very, very, very surprised if the players did not use this return to make a statement about everything that's going on of of a higher order than anything we have seen from a collective of athletes in a very long time. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, hopefully, but yeah, I'm with you. I I think, and and just knowing that they have the support of the commissioner, I mean, that's yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, um, it's gonna be and, interesting. And without and without a crowd there, where you're like worried for security reasons, or you know, or like you know, just a, like a an arena of people booing, and you know, not that that should be something to worry about, but but I, I do think that also facilitates it a little, a little easier. Yeah, um, and you know, you can't do it in the NFL because there are going to be guys who just don't uh, who will not do that. So there's not going to be uniformity. Right. But you know, the NBA is is much more kind of in lockstep. Um, I'm excited. It's just been, it, they better be careful. They might piss off NBA legend Chris Dudley. Did Dudley come out uh, and say something un- untoward? He's just been kind of vocal about like uh, like he was very vocal about um, uh, the Kavanaugh hearings and um, oh, that's right. Kind of inappropriate about that. Yes, um, and everybody started you know posting the gif of uh, Shaq you know throwing him down. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's great. That's a great one. Um, unfortunately, you know, Nick, he was in a Nick Nick's uniform. history, baby. Yeah, Nick's history. Um, yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm curious to see what happens on that front. Um, what? Let's let's we could finish up here. What What are you? Or, or maybe I should maybe I shouldn't assume that you. The answer to this question is going to be in the affirmative. Are you excited about anything in particular 
in regards to the Knicks offseason. So here, here are your here are your choices. Um the lottery, the actual draft, uh-huh. uh free agency, um, the possibility of trades, um, mm-hmm. and uh I'll I'll give you also as an option just you know, seeing the team in like apparently we may get some kind of televised uh I don't know mini summer league like OTAs or some some such thing. Do do, do any of those things or do all of those things whatever get your get your blood flowing. I mean all the you combine all those things and that's like next playoffs basically. <laughs> uh I mean look I I I always look forward to the lottery. I always think the lottery is awesome. Um and the Knicks are often involved in the lottery. So, uh, you know, when, when they have their pick. Um, so, yeah, probably the lottery. Although, you know, this I, – I just watch what, you know, a lot of the s- smarter people post. A lot of the, like, people watching film of um, potential lottery picks. And this draft class just seems like a drip. So I got to tell you, um, you know, and listen – I've had a lot of, I've had time on my hands in quarantine, <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, but I have talked myself into a few of these. I've also, I've also talked myself Who's out the of, kid? you posted a clip of uh, the kid from Alabama. I like, I like I him. Saw. I like Ky- Kyra Lewis. I like him a lot. I watched, so full, what I saw. full disclosure, I've watched, I want to say maybe two and a half, like full Alabama games and then, you know, whatever highlight packages and this and that. Um, I don't know, man. I I think the kids got it. I like it. I I like him. Um, I need to do more. I need to watch more on Hayes, the Killian Hayes, the kid uh, in the French yeah, league. Yeah. Um, but I like Lewis for the Knicks at least. I like him better than Halliburton, who's like this the lanky kid out of Iowa State. And yeah, also, um, unfortunate name, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just a bit. We're, man, this is easily the most politicized show in the history of this podcast. Yeah. Hey, you, uh, you called a coastal elite uh, Jewish. <laughs> David, you know, so, you know. goddamn coastal elites. Uh, I'm sick of you. Um, <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, yeah. So I like him better than Halliburton, and I like him better than uh, Cole Anthony. Um, but I am. It seems like pe- people are uh, like that. Cole Anthony has has fallen. Yeah, I just um, I don't. Yeah, we don't have to get too far. I, I, there's some things, yeah. that, uh, some question marks that I that I that I have. Um, this, is, this is a this is a a pod for Spencer Perlman to come on. And talk about. <laughs> he's already done. I think I think he's done three draft pods. I'm probably going to wind up having him on for three more. Um, but I'm I am all in on. Um, Lamella Ball, which is why uh, I actually am going to be far more excited for the lottery than I thought I was going to be, you know, maybe three or four months ago. Okay, this this is my thing with Lamella Ball. We we share genes with our relatives, correct? Like, you know, we we we, as far as I know, that's the science, right? Like, we have similar genetic makeup. This is true. So. You combine Tibbs being the head coach with a, a family with a history of not having the greatest um, bodies to withstand playing a full season. 
the drafting Lamelo Ball would would uh, concern me a bit. Would just it? Given, wow. Just given that. That's. I mean, that's fair. It's fair. Um, but but if we're also agreeing that this is kind of a a weak draft anyway, I mean, he's probably at, at this point he's the home run, right? I mean, he's he's the, he's the closest thing. Closest thing to that you're going to get to it because he's, you know, what what he has, he doesn't have everything, but what he has, you can't teach. I'll right. say that. Um, yeah, so I'm excited for that too. I'm, I don't know. I think I keep going back to it and I keep trying to figure out what it's going to be. Um, I think there's a, I really do. And this is not inside information or anything. I just, I, I have a sense. I think I've said this to Jeremy. I have a sense that they're going to do some big between now and the beginning of the next season. I have no idea what it is. And that yeah. is, again, it's just, I keep trying to figure out what it is, what makes the most sense. And I don't, I don't know what it's going to be, but I just, um, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I have a suspicion. That's all. Um, hopefully it involves trading Randall. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know but whether he's going to be on the team next the, year. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I hope so I, too. I, I've, I've seen that uh, Portis really, Pushing to stay on the team on Twitter uh, the last couple of days. I think he thinks they're just going to pick up his option and pay him the fifteen and a half million. And I, I don't have the heart to tweet him back and be like, "Listen, buddy." Um, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Fifteen million may not be what it, you know, what it used to, but it's still it's still a lot. Um, God bless yeah. him. God bless him. Yes. I, hey, listen. Shout out to Bobby Portis for interacting with the fans on Twitter. True. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's a lot of guys don't do that. And he, he has, and it's, it's been cool. Um, all right. I think, do we, is there anything else we have, we have left to cover or is this, do we, do we hit the bases? No, you should, you should save the real basketball talk for, uh, when you have, you know, your, your JBs and your Jeremy Cohen's on who, <laughs> you know, I, are, are, are better at this than me. Funny, you are, you are easily as 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 qualified, if not more qualified, than anybody else on this show when it comes to talking <laughs> about basketball. Oh, I know what we didn't talk about. We we ended last time on talking about that uh, the next thing you were going to be on, but now I guess we can't really even say that because everything's been shut down. So that's right. I actually had my first. Virtual audition. I, I I've had to put myself on tape for things um in the past, but um but not for commercials. And now commercials are gonna be working, you know, it's a whole new world now. But basically like you're auditioning like uh you know, you you're shooting your own audition. So I had to this is the life of an actor. I had to uh t- do three takes of me sipping a beverage. And having really big reactions to the beverage. Like, is that what you tweeted out before the Gatorade thing? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was like those are like screenshots of like the the video that I had to take of myself, like being an absolute piece of shit. Just like <laughs> they're like, oh, in the moment after you sip the beverage, it's like it's your eyes are big, uh, you're feeling uh, uh, feelings of wonder, and uh, <laughs> and you're and you're and it's right before your head explodes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? what I, this is this is what I studied Shakespeare for in college. You know, this, this is this is why why you need trained actors. Oh man, God bless you. Um, well, I guess keep us keep us in the know as to whether you got the part or not. 
<laughs> I will. Hey, hopefully you'll just you'll just see it on TV. I won't even need to let you know, but uh, but yeah. So our our business is like slowly creeping back. Slowly well, that's good. Back. I'm ha- I'm happy to hear that. Um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, I, but, I'm uh, I'm actually man. very I'm very curious to see not, a different podcasts for a different day, but like um, I'm very interested interested to see how the movie industry. Um, I guess it bounces back and specifically the, the theater, not, um, live stage theater, but like the movie theater, um, industry and like what, what happens in terms of, you know, theaters staying open or are we just going to, is it just going to be like the big movies that come out? Yeah. I follow all that stuff and I'm interested in it. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I think it's going to take, uh, it, you know, at least until there's a vaccine for people to really feel for the masses to feel comfortable, you know, being, uh, in, in crowds of people again. Yeah. So, um, we shall see, man, what a weird time to be living through. I said, I said to my, we were going on a walk yesterday with our daughter. I said to my wife yesterday, um, 2020 is going to be a year that like, you know, you'll say like 2012, 2005, 1997, like nobody remembers any of these years, but when you say 2025 or 10 or 20 years from now, like you're going to remember like, Oh, that was that just complete and utter shit show. Um, yep. yeah. So look, <laughs> and my daughter is now here pulling my hand. You want to say hi? No. You don't want to say hi? No, you can say hi. No. All the, all the, hi. all the, uh, David Futternick says hi to you. Can you hear her? She's like, huh? She's like, I don't know what she's doing. She's not really doing anything. Huh? She plays with my microphone sometimes. Um, I don't know if she thinks she has her own her own radio show. Maybe you know, maybe maybe future podcast. I was about to say maybe maybe a future actor. Maybe I could get her to drink hey. a beverage and tell her to act like her head is about to explode. No, we need more teachers, and we need more. You know, uh, ah, stop it. We did. Stop we it. do we not need more actors, but hey, not enough actors. If you, it's it's funny, my um, my cousin actually like my my cousins are in Plainview, and um, and my cousin's daughter when she was younger wanted to be an actress, and uh, I I used to kind of like push push her to like you know really make something of herself, and now she is. So she's a um, uh, studying to be a um special needs teacher. So hey, hey, that's doing a lot more good for the world than than being an actor. So. <sighs> Um, if she ever needs any advice, though, to give me a call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're ever like really concerned and you want me to talk her out of it, just you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're uh, teachers. We're we're good people at heart. Um. Well, I'm happy you became an actor. Um. And yes. and that you have decided yet again to appear on this podcast. You are now the. I think you are the. Um. I want to say maybe like the John Goodman of this podcast. Who who's had the most SNL appearances? Well, Baldwin. I don't even count him anymore Thanks. because he Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I I've been compared to all these people before, so <laughs> pretty comfortable with the, the, the comparison. Pretty comfortable. Uh, okay, listen, uh, you got a lot of young John Goodman vibes. You're not as heavy set, obviously, but you you got. No, although you know. The quarantine is uh, is doing wonders for that. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I, I got. I did get to a point where I was like, I really need to be running, and so I've I've gotten on, into a, a routine now. But that first month or two of quarantine, it was a lot of 
eating takeout and drinking beer and scotch and uh, not not taking good care of myself. So, well, I'm, I'm happy to hear you've started to correct <laughs> course correct there. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, to the five people uh, still listening to us banter back and forth, thank you for listening to another episode of the, of the Nick's Home School podcast. David Funderick, can you tell the folks at home um, where they could find your delightful insights? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter uh, or Instagram at David Futernick, F U T E R N I C K. Um, you can also listen to my. Uh, NBA comedy podcast called Super Hoopers or my Sopranos podcast called Oh the Sopranos podcast. That's, that's really why I asked you to uh to do I just wanted to hear you do the Oh. Oh. Yeah, we finally uh we finally brought the Sopranos podcast back, which is uh which has been fun. So, if I'm you're happy. a Sopranos fan, especially if you are somebody that's watched the show a bunch, do not listen if you've never seen the show or you just started because there are a lot of spoilers. So, um, but uh, but yeah, and then hopefully you know on on your TV screen soon. There you go. Always always look out um, for David Futternick on your TV screen. Not not on SVU because we we've established that he is not <laughs> yet. Made no, his- I miss I miss my uh, my my Law and Order window when I still lived in New York. I missed that window. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a shame. Um, All right. Uh, You're the man. Um, It's always a pleasure. And uh, congrats again on 200 episodes. It's very uh, exciting. I think about like how, uh, you know, I found I found you guys because of JB's breakdowns, which I, you know, I hadn't seen before and uh, were so well done. Um, And then you know, where, where the next film school brand has gone and your podcast is, you can't see what I'm doing. I'm doing the chef's kiss right now. <laughs> Fantastic. Not deserved. Uh, we're more like white castle. We, we satisfy a craving. Um, that's, hey, that's really it. Nothing wrong with white castle. No, Hey, listen, I could go for some white castle right now. Um, all right, man, this was fun as always. Um, you're the man and, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk soon. All right. Good stuff, good stuff. Be safe. Later, brother. Peace out.